Hi, I'm Christina Davis, and welcome to the Crazy Nomad Podcast, where we talk about the real side of working and living as a digital nomad, the raw, unfiltered, crazy, funny, wild, sometimes difficult side of those living outside of the normal nine to five. So get ready, sit back, because here are some crazy nomads. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Crazy Nomad Podcast. Today, I have a wonderful human string on. He is a fitness guru, a spiritual guy. He is a comedian. There's so much to him. I can't wait to hear his entire story. So thanks for coming on. Girl, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to do this interview. I'm so excited for this. Um, so let's start with your whole fitness journey. You were SoulCycle back in the city doing all that you know, crazy stuff. You were you know, big into it. So get into the whole story, how you get there, you know, and your journey with it all. Okay. Okay. So SoulCycle started happening, SoulCycle happened back in 2010. Okay. Before that, I I lived in LA. I lived in LA for a couple years and I got burnt out of living there, wasn't feeling it, moved back to the city of New York and got into production. So I used to work for freelance production for Mm -hmm. like news networks. Yep. And... I had just gotten back from my AIDS life cycle ride from, it's a ride from California, from San Francisco to LA. Wow. And it was crazy because someone told me, they said, you need to come, you need to come back to LA. You need to come back to LA and be a, be a fitness instructor. Just, yeah. just come on, just teach spin or something because you're so funny. You're so good. And I said, that's not going to happen. That's going to happen. Get back to New York City. The, the guests on the show were the two co-founders of SoulCycle. Oh, wow. It was crazy. I get back and I said, okay, what's Universe the SoulCycle? It's crazy. So I... They, they come to the show I mic them up I'm a sound guy I mic them yep. up get them ready for the show and go back to the green room and the person who brought them in said I said what's this soul cycle thing what's it about like what is it because I did spinning when I lived in LA mm-hmm. oh it's just a new studio that started we've been open for three years and um, she goes you should come in and, and take a class gave me a free class the instructor who taught the class said, listen, we're looking, we're expanding, and you, I can see that you know how to do this class, mm-hmm. right? So why don't you come in and audition? I was like, all right. So auditioned, didn't make it, didn't know what the fuck I was doing, <laughs> didn't make it, but they saw something in me. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. And I, I, they gave me the opportunity to just sit and take classes and just watch for like mm-hmm. the next nine months. So... January 2010 comes around, I audition again, I make the audition, I make the cut, but I got this really good job at Fox News, so I get paid really good money, yep. and um, they're like, well, you got to make a choice, you got to be, we need you to be full-time instructor, or, you know, there's no opportunity here for you. Yep. Get off the phone with that person, get a phone call from the person at Fox News manager, you're being laid off today. So, wow. <laughs> that happened like within one day. That's Got insane. back on the phone with SoulCycle. I said, okay, I'm with you full time. Here we go. So that happened. And, and then I was with SoulCycle from 2010 to the end of 2016. Okay. Um, I was there from the, from the beginning where they started to just become really big. Mm-hmm. And then um, towards the end, the two co-founders left the company. They sold their shares. They left the company. The company went corporate. By that time, 2016, by that time, 2016, there had already been so many soul cycles on every corner in New York City. They had Yeah, there's so many. So many on every corner. It was, it was crazy. So, of course, as you know, as anytime, anything that goes corporate... Oh, it changes. It changes. <laughs> life changes. And yeah. at the time, I was making too much money. Yeah. Way too much money. And I knew that 
at some point in time, I was going to be cut. Yeah. I just knew it. You become a number. Just knew it. And so, um, 2016, I ended up, I think I was in, I was in culinary school. I was in culinary school, finished that. No, went on my, went to a trip to Trinidad for my 44th okay. birthday and was just not really feeling like fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, okay, I've been doing this, the same thing, comfortable, life is comfortable. Got this soul cycle job. I'm living in a nice apartment in the financial district, New York City. Life is good, but something's not right. Like I'm not feeling good. Like I'm not feeling fulfilled. Like I'm not happy. Yeah. Right. Go to Trinidad on my 44th birthday. Open up that passport. Two stamps. From a decade, 2006, yeah. 2006. From a decade, like no stamps, girl. Like nothing stamped up. I'm like, okay, this is something's got to change. Like I'm 44. Like I need to see some places. Yeah. So. Land, this is August of 2016, land the plane, the plane lands, get back to New York City. Things start happening. They start to give me the whole, we don't feel like you're really with Soul Cycle. You don't feel like you're really in it anymore. Your class numbers are going down. We need to have a conversation with you. And then basically, long story short, I ended up being, had to, I had to resign. I was okay. forced to resign. Wow. So my last day with Soul Cycle was... I think it was Christmas Eve of 2016, and then I was in China. I moved to China. I left every. I got rid of all my stuff. I was like, okay, well, this opportunity came before that. This opportunity came on LinkedIn for okay. instructors to come teach in in China, Shanghai, which is their version of SoulCycle. Yeah. Because every country has their own version of, of SoulCycle, right? But they don't really nail the concept because they don't have the instructors to teach. Yep. So they need people from the states to do it. So. I'm in China, 2017. How Brand, long were you there for? Whole new world. Whole new world. I, I was there for a year and a half. Okay. Shanghai seems amazing. I've never been, but I've always... It just seems like a very... I don't know, like those big city vibes. You know, obviously I've never been, so I can't speak. It's different. It's definitely... Oh, it's different. definitely different, for I mean, sure. The, it's different. It, it, China was not what I thought it was going to be like. Okay. I'm thinking... I don't know what it was going to be like. I, I, I knew it was going to be a, a Chinese people, but I didn't know it was going to be that many Chinese people when I got there. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of Chinese people here. Yeah. It's raining. It's snowing. I'm like, it's cold. it's cold here. Yeah. I had no idea what I was stepping into. And then for the first six months, because I signed up for, I, I signed up for, I signed up for a couple months to yeah. test it out. And I was going back and forth to test it out. And I didn't see nobody different. I seen Chinese people were in my class. They were Chinese. People on the street were Chinese. I didn't see no black people. I didn't see no Spanish people. I didn't see nobody different. Honestly, so no I was diversity. Chinese. So, yeah, no diversity at all. So that with the culture shock was a lot for me yeah. to handle. For the first time, I'm in a country that I've never been in. I'm mm-hmm. disconnected. I don't know what the fuck a VPN is. I don't know what that is, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't get on my Facebook. I can't get on my Instagram. Yep. I can't call nobody, right? I didn't see nobody black. Yep. I was kind of a mess mm-hmm. and then I was grieving the loss of leaving Soul Cycle because that happened so abruptly yep. and so I didn't have time to really process. take that all process that in I'm in a new world a new country and it's like okay here we go so and that's quite the country to be thrown into oh in terms God, of like girl. culture shock first I've been to Beijing and I love Beijing but it's definitely like it's not the China's not the easiest no. as an American, you know, who doesn't speak Mandarin or anything it's to be not. able to navigate on, especially on your own, like to navigate on your own and 
to be your first country that you're really thrown into to live and mm. figure it out. Like yeah. it's, that's a massive one for culture yeah, shock. Yeah, it was. And the people who, who, the student that I work for, they were just like, here you go. Like, here's where you're staying. Figure it out. Figure out the metro. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. I was afraid to take the metro for the first weeks that I was there. I was like, I'm not getting on this metro. I went down there and I was yeah. like, fuck that. First of all, fuck, <laughs> what the fuck is that smell? Right? And there's so many Chinese people getting in and out of that metro. Oh, I was like, I, could, I couldn't do it. The, the population is 10 times yeah. than New York City. I'm like, they need Godzilla and this motherfucker to come. <laughs> just come in here and just clean this fucking country up because there's too many of these motherfuckers in here. Oh, God. But... I did it, and I and I, I was so proud of myself towards the end. I was ready to leave mm. because the company wasn't successful. There was no growth in the company, and the two owners that owned that studio didn't know what they were doing. Yep. So it was great to just, you know, I did what I did, and I, I mean, I taught them what I could teach them at the end. It was like, it was great. It was a good opportunity. And then I bounced, and then I get to Dubai, which is a whole nother world, too. Different Definitely. world. Different. Totally different. People, you know, that same, that same, 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 but different. No, it's different. You know, mm-hmm. it's quieter. It's, it's quieter. So I left China. It was at the end of, that was a year and a half. So it was 2018, summer of 2018. I get to Dubai. It's hot as fuck. Oh, yeah. Nobody's there, right? But I knew I had to be there because I, I wanted to just be still. You know, mm-hmm. no one was there. People leave Dubai for the summer because it's so hot. Yep. Um, but I knew that I was getting myself into another situation with another fitness studio that didn't have the foundation like SoulCycle had, right? SoulCycle, those two co-founders, they nailed it as far as the branding, the marketing, the community, Mm -hmm. all of those different things. And if you don't have those things, your business is going to, it's going to fail. Yeah. It's going to flop. So, but I knew I had to be there. Like I knew I had to sit there. Um, my sister had passed away previous to me getting there. And mm-hmm. I didn't go back to the States to process that. I couldn't go back to the States to process that because yeah. my mother was also going to jail. She went to pr- prison jail, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't deal with that because my mother, that's a whole other story. My mother, there's mental illness in okay. my family. Yeah. So with my sister and my mother. So I had to not, I had to avoid that, get myself to Dubai, get myself into another situation. But still, I wasn't able to process what had oh, happened, right? right? So I did that for a year and a half. Um, my sister left me some money from her pension. Mm-hmm. That took about a year to get that money. So fast forward to 2019, the end of 2019, I'm still feeling burned out, mm-hmm. right? Not loving what I do yeah. and needing a break. And there was this girl who took my classes at this studio and she came, she looked, for, she was gone for the whole summer. First of all, she was gone. Yeah. And she comes back in September. I'm like, where have you been? She's like, String, I've been in Dubai. Like, I mean, I've been in Bali. I've been in Bali. Mm-hmm. I said, you look fresh. She looked fresh. Yeah. Just young. Just skin was moisturized, glowing. I was like, sign me up. Sign me up. So I signed up. I said, I signed up. I signed up to do my yoga teacher training at this studio called Radiantly Alive in Ubud. Mm-hmm. And then I also... Sign, I bought tickets to a retreat that my friend from LA was holding in, in uh, Thailand. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to stay for the Bali Spirit Festival. Okay. So, of course, everything happens. COVID happens. Yep. <laughs> the joy, the joy <laughs> that is COVID. The COVID happens. Yep. You know, now in the meantime, I, I get back from, so I, I, I come here, I do my YTT, I had a week off, I went to Thailand, I did this retreat, I come back, I had to rush back because COVID happened. Everything was yeah. shutting down. In the mix of that whole thing, my 
Yahoo account had been hacked. My bank account had been hacked. My Instagram was hacked. My Facebook was hacked. Everything was hacked, gone. Money that I had left over in my account, some money that I had, like $3,000, was taken out of my U.S. account. Wow. And I'm thinking, okay, well, fuck. (laughs) You know? Yeah, like... What do you do now? What do I do now? And so, but I, I felt like I, I felt like I wasn't going to be here that long. I knew that I had to, that I was going to be here for about two more months. Mm-hmm. This is now March. Yeah. And I said, okay, I have enough money till March, April, May-ish, and I'll mm-hmm. go back to the States. That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> COVID. So then I'm, you know, I'm here and I just felt like, okay, well, this is what I asked for because I left Dubai I had a conversation with higher spirit, love, God, whatever you want to call him. I mm-hmm. said, you know what? I, I don't know what this journey is. I'm going to just go with you. I trust that you're taking me on this journey. But I feel like I could I just go to a place and just sit still and just have some self-love for a minute and just yeah. have some time to do me, you know? And mm-hmm. boom, it happens. He puts me in Bali. Yeah. And for the first time I had the best I mean I had the best year last year because I was disconnected I had no distractions from social media mm-hmm. I would go study yoga I would do my yoga practice I would go for a walk I would do my meditation I found this really cool place in the jungle where I would just sit still just sit still listen to God listen to the birds the monkeys whatever yeah. you know it was great it was the best year 2020 it really was yeah it's, I think it's amazing when you can like kind of look back at 2020 especially because I think so many people are like oh my god I lost a year of my life you know I hear so many people say it but it's like it's all your perspective on how you kind of look at it like you can look at it like it's been a shit year or you know something's changed or you didn't get to do what you want but like if you use that time to kind of do things for yourself or process things yourself you know I was kind of did something similar I was sent back to the states unfortunately for my travels I was in India when like shit hit the fan in March and I really didn't have a choice. I went home and I was supposed to be moving to Australia. So I had this whole plan that was kind of just ripped out from under me, you know, and I had time to kind of sit with myself and be like, well, you know, let's figure out you and what you want in your life and, you know, use that to progress forward. So 2021 is going to be, you know, epic Mm -hmm. instead of sitting in 2020 and being like, just waiting for this to end, waiting for it to end. Like Mm -hmm. I think doing that self-work during that time had like made a lot of people who did it take a whole different leap forward for, you know, 2021 or whatever post COVID than it did for those who didn't. Yeah. I mean, I still get chills about it because I, I, I was able to, I mean, you know, people, whether they believe in God or whatever, whatever they, whatever they believe in, you know, I've always believed in some higher something, right. That was taking me on this journey, but to be able to sit down and sit in stillness and have a conversation with that higher Mm -hmm. and listen to those voices. Like I've always had these voices come to me on this journey. I mean, I left Vegas. I'm from Vegas, but I left Vegas 20 years ago, 21 years ago, left to New York, went to LA, went back to New York for a decade, you know, China, Dubai, travel, travel, travel. But I've always gone with my gut and listened to the voices that said that each of these things, these times weren't where I was done. I was done with Vegas. Okay, let's go to New York. Then something, then 9-11 happened. Okay, well, you need to go to LA. I get to LA, I'm the two guys that taught me how to spin were living at that time. So yeah. it's like, how does this, how does life take me to LA, learn the spinning thing, go back to New York, become an instructor, and then all the, all the pieces come together. It's yeah. just crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. And sometimes it's like those unknown pieces. Like I know I've talked with guests before about, 
people get so scared to like take a leap or do something different or move somewhere new or whatever. But the thing is like when we actually, the people who do do it, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know all the answers. You kind of just go and like, it's like the universe either opens doors for you or pivots you in the way you need to go. And like when you can take a step and look back, you're like, wow, I never would have pictured myself where Mm -hmm. I am now. But like it happened all in the way it should have. And I think it's massive to be able to like look at that and be like, okay, I'm taking that leap. I'm going wherever I might, mm-hmm. might be broke when I'm doing it, but like I'm gonna do it. And I have trust in myself and the universe and everything's supposed to happen to me that like I will move forward in what I need to do. Absolutely, and it's one of those things that now it's like people who have known me since I was 28, they get it because they didn't get it back then. I didn't get it, I didn't have a lot of support when I left Vegas. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll come back. You'll be back. Yeah. You know. Now people they're like, okay, I get it, and I get it too. I mean, yeah. I didn't know why life was taking me on these different paths, but. You know, sitting still like I did, I was like, okay, I get it now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I could just kind of just chill and relax. I, I get, I got you. I talk to him every morning. I'm like, okay, I, I get it. I'm just gonna follow you. I'm not, I'm not gonna stress about it. Yeah. I'm gonna stress about the money. I'm just gonna put my best foot forward every day. Mm-hmm. Do what I do. Find community. Do what I've been doing since I've been in Changu. And it's like, okay, let's just go. You know, yeah. it's only gonna get better. Yeah. So how was the second half of your like 2020 being in Bali? Did you spend the whole time up in Ubud? Like, what did you? kind of get up to while you were here doing all the COVID stuff? Yeah, so what I did was I, st- I just, you know, I got closer. So I, I moved in with a local family. And oh, wow. yeah, I lived with a local family for the year. I mean, that got us close together because when COVID happened, it was like, okay, here's the, we're all together and yep. couldn't go anywhere. Everything was closed. But that brought me together with them. They were teaching me Bahasa and awesome. teaching me how to cook and you know, it was great. And so I stayed in Ubud for a year. And then um, January, I applied to get my Kitas. So I got my Kitas. Yeah. Once I got my Kitas, then I got the opportunity to teach for a studio in Changu. Okay, nice. So I've been in Changu for almost going on five months. Yeah. Nice. So you've been doing yoga or all fitness? So, I mean, unfortunately, that studio that I was teaching for, they closed. Yeah. So... Another setback. <laughs> Only to move you forward, though. Yeah, you know I mean? I'll be looking forward. Put your best foot forward. But yeah. it brought me to Changu. And so I have just been doing some like one on ones. Um, yeah, I got the comedy started happening. I volunteer twice a week for this um, this kitchen called SOS Kitchen, mm-hmm. which uh, puts meals together for locals in need. Oh, nice. And so awesome. I've always, you know, any place I've gone, except for China and Dubai, I've always been involved in some type of soup kitchen doing something yeah that's a part of me and i think that's the thing that really frustrated me living in those two countries that i wasn't allowed to do that Mm -hmm. so yeah i keep it you know i keep it going and other opportunities are coming up so definitely so on top of the comedy thing for sure i've been to one of your comedy shows which are amazing how did you get into comedy like what started it all you know what was that was there a moment you're like i gotta do this was it always a part of your life you know what How'd you get into all of it? So, um, let's see. Let's go back. So, I started doing comedy when I was 27 years old. Okay. And this is about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell nobody. I'm living in Vegas at the time. Yep. And I kept going by this club that was not too far from where I lived. And it was called, called Stand Up New York. Okay. Crazy, because yeah. I was thinking about going to New York. So, I go there and open mic, open mic. I go there a couple times, twice. And the guy who owned the club was like, or the bar was mm-hmm. like, you're pretty good. Like, you should come here regular. And I was like, okay, well, I'm moving to New York in like a couple months. So, I moved to New York. Life happens. It's winter, whatever it was. 
life happens and it just I didn't I stopped doing comedy yep stayed in New York for two years 9-11 happens moved to LA get to LA life happens things happen but then I end up moving across the street from the comedy store and the Laugh Factory which mm-hmm. were like in West Hollywood yep I was like, how's this happening? So I dipped back into comedy, yep. start doing open mics, and got pretty good again, got confident, and then life happened again. <laughs> so then I'm, <laughs> I'm like, okay, life happens again, and then I'm back in New York. So I jumped back into New York, but I jumped back into it quick this time. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, even life is happening, even though life is happening, I'm still going to go to the club scene and check it out. Yeah. So I go to start doing open mics, and then I see this sign for Comedy Coach at Caroline's on Broadway. Mm -hmm. So you do, like, I think it was four or five weeks of this workshop with this woman who's amazing, who's been in the business forever, Linda Smith. I give you shout-outs because she she really brought it out for me as far as... As far as, like, the journey of comedy, as far as storytelling, because she took me aside and she said, you are already funny... You can tell a story, but I need you to really come out. I wasn't like openly out with everybody as yeah. far as my sexuality and different things like that. So once she said that, it was like, okay, green light. It's ready to go. Let's yeah. go for it. You can talk about these things. And it's a part of you as a comedian. Yeah. As a comedian, these things have to be open. You can't be holding back on anything because people can see that when you get on stage. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff in comedy, you know, um, gay the the abuse that that happened with my mother and and the different things that happened when I was a kid um come out on stage it might not resonate or might people might not get it but that's the story that I'm telling yeah right um comedy happened earlier before that as a kid as a kid when I was probably like eight seven or eight I realized I was funny um my mother was very physically and verbally abused to my sister okay more so you know, verbally to me, but, you know, during those dark times when my mother wasn't around, I would just make crack jokes and I would just make my sister laugh and I'd be like, you know, doing different silly things, you know, and she would, she would laugh. I would just make her feel good because I wasn't getting the same treatment as she was. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that when I was in school, I was this class clown. I was just the kid who made the, the first kid at, you know, first day, of, you know, for the kid who was brand new in class, yep. made that person feel good, made them feel welcome, cracked the jokes in class. And I was just doing, I didn't go to school to learn. You know what I mean? I definitely <laughs> yeah. didn't. That, looking back, I didn't go to school to learn. I mean, I, yeah. I went there, but it was my place to go and actually do material as a kid. Okay. And it just, like, it just, okay, make people laugh. I love laughter. Like, mm-hmm. I love to hear laughter and I love people you know, I, I hate seeing people in pain or or yeah. crying or in tears. And so when high school ended, that was hard for me because now I'm not doing that. And I'm in university. And it's bigger. Yeah. Right. Totally different. So I went through a phase where I didn't really have that community. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. But I've always I felt like that that's been a gift to be to be funny and definitely, you know, make people laugh. Definitely you know? is a gift. So once you did the workshop, from there, did you start doing shows in New York? Yeah. So once we did the workshop, you graduated, you did this graduation show, and I continued to do my um, stand-up. I, then at the same time, the Soul Cycle thing started to happen, yeah. right? I wasn't teaching there, but I was, in, I was, t- I was watching classes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I enter a competition, a comedy competition at Caroline's, and it's basically like, you know, they put two comedians up together. It's like a battle. 
Yeah. Okay. And then you, whoever wins moves on to the next round. Yep. So I entered this competition and I win the first round. Nice. And I was like, yay, nice. I won yeah. the first round. Yeah. <laughs> Second round didn't win. Okay. And that was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to put the comedy on, on, on the shelf right now because Soul Cycle was happening. I started to teach full time. That yeah. was, you know, nine classes a week, 12 classes a week. Then I went to 15 classes a week. Damn. And it was a lot. It is a lot. It was a lot. So comedy didn't happen. Comedy put, took a shelf. It, it, I put that, that was like 2000. That must have been like 2009. Okay. Yeah. So when was the next time you picked it back up? Was it here? That was here. Okay. So what yeah. made you pick it back up here? So it was crazy. So a friend of mine was like, when I was in Uber, he's like, you got to go to Chengdu, there's comedy. I was like, really? He's like, okay. This is January. Yeah. 2021. I'm like, okay. I said, well, that sounds cool. Come out here. I'm teaching at the studio at the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me go check out this comedy thing. See what's up. So I go there. I sit in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and then... The next week, I sat in the back, watched the show, and then I just went up to the guy, Chris, and I was like, at the end of the second show, and I said, I said, you need some comics. I said, let me know. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, come do some comedy. Come do some comedy. That's how cool. So that started. That quickly started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long have you been, so since January, you've been doing it now? So that was February. So February, I started okay. I started towards the, it was like the third week of February that I started. Mm-hmm. So February, March. April, yeah. And then I took a little bit of a break because I felt like I was doing too... We have to do new material every week for the yeah, show. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Like, how does that work in terms of like, being a comedian? Like, having to come up with new material all the yeah, time. Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, I have some stuff in the in the, in the the safe. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that, I tr- that I actually try to bring up. But mm-hmm. it's not... It's, it's challenging because you have to do a new set of material. Yeah. Um, and to make it fresh every week... Like in New York, you have places where you can work out your stuff. Like you can go, you can go do, you can do two, three clubs, mm-hmm. you know, within a week. And by the time yeah. you put it up in a major club, you've got it, you've got it pretty good. Whereas here, you got this one club, mm-hmm. right? So it's challenging. And so to get those punchlines and to edit it and make sure, you know, what I mean, the audience is different here too. Like I did a night, I think the night that I saw you, that was the night that I chose to do a more ethnic crowd comedic yeah. set, which. I knew going into it, I was like, "This ain't gonna. I don't know if this gonna work, but we gonna <laughs> we gonna try because they all these Russians and shit in with no black people in here." But I was like, "Okay, yeah. we gonna let's just give it a try. Let's just give it a try." Yeah. Wasn't my best set, but I put it up there and I was like, "Okay, it was a lesson that this is not the crowd that you're gonna use the black mama jokes, whoop ass, punch yeah. the kid in the neck, joke. It's not gonna yeah. be that kind of crowd. You know what I mean? So yep. we had to go back and rewrite some stuff and then." Um, I did another set and then I took off three weeks and that's when I did some more stuff and yeah it's good to take a break because you have to you want to fine tune it and edit it and polish it and you know it just makes sense do you find it not more difficult but like more interesting to go to a crowd here in Chengdu that is so diverse like like you're saying you you have your Americans you have your you know German French you have your Russians you have whatever like the crowd is so different Mm -hmm. do you find it to be like a bit more difficult or more, you know, different to try and make a set for this in a crowd. Definitely. It's different. Yeah. The crowd is different it's di- because yeah. they don't get American humor. Yeah. No. Right? Only, I swear only like English and like maybe like Australians yeah. can get it. It's like really yeah. it. Like I have literally, but enough, only vow to date anyone who's like 
British or Australian because then I was like, you don't get my humor. It's going to go yeah. right over your head and my sarcasm is going to yeah. sound like an asshole. It's not going to yeah. work. So it's it's very different because you don't have them. You know, the humor with Germans, humor with French, humor with Russians is just completely different from mm. American. I had some friends who came last Friday to the show and I ran into the girl uh, this week at F45 and, and I said, so how did you like the show? And she's like, it just wasn't our humor we left after you, you know, because you were good, but it was too, they thought it was too abrupt. Okay. Where are they from? They're from Russia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She just thought it was a little bit too abrupt. Yeah. She said, she said that me and another comedian were her favorite, mm-hmm. but the rest of the show, she felt like she just didn't get it. She didn't understand it. And that's, that's comedy. That's, yeah. that's comedy. That's life. Like you're not gonna, not everybody's gonna like your style. They're yeah. not gonna like what you have to say. You know yeah. what I mean? People, but the cool thing about the comedy that I've been doing is, you know, I get people who beep their scooters and they're like, Streak, wash your ass. Yeah. Streak, suck my dick. Streak. You know, they like say different punchlines than yeah, I say, yeah. which I think is great because at least they're listening. 100%. <laughs> Definitely. That's really funny. When I'm at the beach, it I mean, it's early in the morning. When I go to the beach, I go to the beach sometimes and it's like, Sunrise, you know, there's no one at the beach. Yeah, and I'm at the beach, and I don't even know this guy. And he said, he said, yeah, he said, string, and I waved. I said, what's up, dude? He said, wash your ass. And it's like <laughs> six thirty in the morning. I yeah. said, I said, always, always. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it great. is funny though. So how does it work? Like, because I've always been curious, like writing a set. Like, how do you? even go about like writing jokes for stand-up like you said it's like a story but how do you you know yeah. how does it all work yeah basically the way that i was taught from my coach was you don't ever want to write it out it's like taking a speech class and, and if you're mm-hmm. taking a speech class you don't want to you never want to write the whole speech okay. you want to write punchlines. so whatever you want to write about like i'm doing a set right now about vegas mm-hmm. and so i'll write vegas i'll write buffets i'll write Trailer park trash. I'll write <laughs> topics. Crusty ass feet, motherfuckers. Walking through the casino. Period. Oh, God. Then I'll write growing up in Vegas. High school. Trashy high school name. Basic whack name. Like yeah. I write these different okay, yeah, yeah. like power, like points, pinpoints. And then I just tell a story. Gotcha. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I can only imagine the things you have from Vegas to oh talk about. Oh my God, about. bro. This set that I'm working on right now is just, I can't, I, I'm in stitches because I've been writing it and I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I wake up, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Think of it's it, yeah. dark as fuck. It's dark and the fucking mosquitoes are fucking with me. And I'm like, fuck, where's my... Yep. I keep the actual... I keep my little journal right next to me because mm-hmm. I just flip the light on and I just like... It just right. comes to me. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, here's this one about the stripper club, da 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 this yep. name... You know what I mean? It just comes. And then I go back to sleep. <laughs> and I just write it down. Yeah. That's what people say about like the best entrepreneurs. Apparently, that's what they do. Like they'll like get a, an idea in their head about like a business or whatever. And they'll wake up, write it down and just go back to sleep. Because yeah. like sometimes the best, because you're like in your, like you're just mellow in your subconscious. Yeah. And you think of things and just boom and write it out. But it's crazy. how I can be in a, I can be in a dead ass sleep, like a really good ass sleep. And then yeah. boom, wake up. Deep and in like, REM. Okay. 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 <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, okay, okay. And then I'm like, okay, that, what that line, what's that line? What's that line again? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And then I go back to sleep. Yeah. No, I think it's really true. I had to write a maid of honor speech for a wedding once and that literally happened to me. I was sleeping and like, I felt this pressure to like be kind of funny. Not that I'm anywhere near as funny as you. You are funny though. Oh, thank you. You are very funny. <laughs> so I was like, I have a Jersey. Pressure. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. 
But so there's two maid of honors, one who's much more like sentimental, very sweet. And I knew she was going to be like the heartwarming one. Everyone was like, oh God, we can't wait to hear yours. And I was like, well, that's a lot of pressure. But I remember I fell asleep and like, I just like, part of it came to me and I literally woke up and I was like, I will never remember if I, remember this if I don't put it down. And I wrote it down and ended up making the whole crowd laugh really hard. And I was like, it worked. But like, it's true. It just comes to you randomly. It just comes to you. And when you're naturally funny, like you're a funny person. Mm-hmm. You're, yes. already, you're already funny. You know what I mean? You, and I get your humor. That's why I, that's why I love you is that you, I get your humor. Plus when you said you're from New Jersey, I was like, oh, this girl's on oh, point. Yeah. <laughs> but it, some people are just born being funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't teach people how to be funny. No. And so I think that's the hardest thing is, like I said, my, my comedy coach told me, she's like, I can't teach these other people how to be funny. She goes, you already got that. I yeah. just need you to be honest. I need you to be real. Mm-hmm. And I need you to make sure that you don't drink beer before you, you do your set. Like, she was very <laughs> picky about. She said, she didn't want me to drink beer. And she didn't want me to, she didn't want me to tell shit jokes. She was I don't want to hear anything about taking a shit on yep. stage. Which I didn't. I mean, I can't. I, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I talk about taking a shit. Yeah, it just yeah. comes out. But I will agree that the beer thing, I you know, yeah. But you're naturally funny. It just it's a gift. I think so too. And I think when people try and be funny, like those are the sets where I've seen people like go up and try and be funny and are like, oh, it's like a bit mm. uncomfortable because mm. like that energy, like that just funny energy just doesn't come out mm-hmm. of them. So it's just mm-hmm. like this awkward like. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you're either born with it or you're not. It's a stage presence thing too. I think Definitely. I've always, I've always loved being a performer. I, you know, my my sister, my mom spent a lot of time grooming my sister. My sister was pageant and pageants, and you know, my mother spent voice lessons on her. And I was in the swim team, <laughs> but I loved to dance. Like I was always watching choreography videos, music, MTV all the time. Yeah, always watching you know, Eddie Murphy perform, listening to just all these different, you know, legends and comedy and just performing that, imitating them. Yep. So I, I love to be in the spotlight, right? That's also another thing. You got being funny. Yep. Stage presence is a plus. For sure. You know, you, you can't be afraid. It. You can't be afraid of that mic. No. Yeah. Might be a little nervous, but you can't be, like you gotta be able to walk out there and like own it. Absolutely. Because if you don't, then everyone would feel it. Absolutely. And you have to also take into consideration that you might just fucking bomb. You know what I mean? You might yeah. just fucking bomb, but you just do your best. And it's okay if you do. Like it's gonna happen and sometimes. And that's life. And you gotta move life. on. And that's life. Exactly. You definitely gotta move on. But if you don't have that stage presence, I definitely think like you can be funny, but it just feels more awkward and doesn't feel as like authentic yeah because you're not mm-hmm. like in control because essentially when you're in comedy like you're in control of the crowd like you're in control of the entire mood mm-hmm. you know you're in control of the laughter it's mm-hmm. it's up to you and when you don't kind of own that and you show up and you're just like here i am like mm-hmm. awkward little whatever it's gonna feel awkward to mm-hmm. everyone it's gonna absolutely the crowd's absolutely. gonna feel it absolutely but absolutely so have you done what's been your favorite set you've done so far here oh i haven't the one last Friday was was probably my favorite. It was probably one of my favorite, uh, my best sets because I wait. I wrote this. Mm-hmm. I wrote this set about a month ago. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I was going through some stuff. I was like, you know what? Let me just take a break from this. Let me just take a break. Let me just really, really get this so that when I put it up, it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to put it up and then it got postponed because Comedy Central Asia came to film the show to do a pilot that they want to do. Gotcha. And so I was able to do some old material that I did. But this one was great. This one, this was, this was what was about uh, a little bit about the shortcut. Oh my god, um, that goddamn shortcut! About getting my balls waxed. I never had my balls waxed, <laughs> so I went and got my balls waxed, and that was an experience, girl. So I was able to share that, 
experience oh and it was like it was on point it was I, on point it was my favorite i can't imagine what that experience is like Girl. i mean actually you know what we're girls we can kind of imagine i, saying, I, so give props. I don't know what i'm saying like, I, I give you props because listen that shit is not fucking that shit is painful oh it's really painful and at least for guys like i mean it's not that's going deathly it's not it's a smaller area like girls like it's a, it's a bit you're sitting there and you're just like and they're like all right breathe listen it feels it's like, like a mini childbirth but at least bit. your part is flat like she <laughs> had to like she had to get like from this space the taint from the booty hole <laughs> to the to the ball sack that was the most painful um the butt crack was painful <laughs> I mean, I usually maintain my own stuff. I do my own stuff, but yeah, I wanted to go do this. Yeah. Place. I said, you know what? I need some new material. My friend referred me to this place. I said, I'm going to go. But it was fucking painful. And I tell people, I'm like, this is the first time that I've ever blacked out. Like, I've, <laughs> I blacked the fuck out. Because she kept, here's the thing. She kept, she, her name was Shanti. And oh. Shanti, as you know, means peace. And she took every fucking piece of hair <laughs> off my balls, off my booty hole, off my taint off everything and I was I got to the point she kept showing me the hair yeah I don't know why they did, I, I don't, don't want to see that I don't need to see it I don't need to see it <laughs> and she kept showing me and I'm trying to listen to the little birds chirping music in the background and I'm like okay I can do this I can do that I can do that she at one point she showed it to me and I'm and I remember I, did, I think I must have passed out <laughs> I think I must have fucking passed out I must have and then I re-roke up and when I woke up, she's holding the tip of my penis and she's like <laughs> going side to side and it was done. We were done. And she was like, Mr. String, Mr. String, no more hair, no more hair. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. But it was a brand new dick. My dick is a brand new dick. I mean, I, I always feel like my dick is, it's a nice dick. I yeah. think it is. But this dick looked like damn orca girl, like from fucking, from fucking oh SeaWorld. From oh SeaWorld, girl. It was shiny. It was brand new dick. It was brand new. Christina, stop. Oh I can't wait to go for my other one. Oh, I can't what? wait. I need, I, need to see, I need to see the next one. I'm just sitting over here like trying to compose myself. Oh, God. Yeah, no. It's definitely an experience. An experience for sure. Yeah. Would you say it was ridiculous? Would you do it again? Ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Would yeah. You, are you going to black out again next time? No. I mean, she did, <laughs> basically, she was saying that I, the first I need time's to, the worst. I need to, the first time is the worst. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure you do it every three yeah, to three four weeks. weeks about three, three and, a half. and then it does it, it gets to be, you get Easier. to be used to it. Yeah. So I'm due. I'm <laughs> actually due the, now. Building the pain tolerance. Yes. You know? But she said it's better to go. It's better to do the waxing to do the sugaring. Have you ever had sugar? I mm-hmm. never had sugar, so she, uh, yeah, I was I thinking sugar. about getting my balls. But it's really funny. So sugar, sugar people sugar, balls. sugar will tell you waxing's better or waxing's worse, and people waxing will tell you sugar is worse. So I think sugar's better, to be honest. Okay, well I have to go get my balls sugared. Alec does. You can always ask him. Okay, I'll ask yeah. Alec. <laughs> One of the other guests on this podcast. Okay, I have to ask him. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's an experience for sure. Um, so what's like your plan in the future in Bali like what do you got do you have any future plans going for your comedy or like fitness or you know what's in the you future know, for straight I'm, I'm here's the thing I'm really I'm really excited about the future and it's great because I feel like you know I've, I've been placed here to do good things mm-hmm. um, community is my number one thing right yeah. it's not only to make money but community is the number one thing yes do I want to make money absolutely but mm-hmm. I feel like this community has been so good to me that it's all these different things that I've done on my journey comedy you know the culinary stuff the fitness thing all these different things 
have brought me here to give back to this community. So we'll see. I mean, I guess stay tuned. I guess, you know, I really, I'm looking into doing, hopefully doing some motivational speaking events. You know, I still want to travel. Yeah. Um, That's all just slowly opening. Yeah. Just travel. Go talk, do some talks. My ultimate thing is to do TED Talk, Ubud. Yeah. Like, I'm doing that. You, I, I would believe in you. I'm doing it. Like, what I, would you want to talk on? Girl, we're going to talk about real talk. We're going to talk about... Real yeah. shit. We're probably going to talk... It's probably going to be about struggles. Yeah. Like, I call it just the tip, but mm-hmm. just the t- it's going to be about struggles, like how to get through life struggles, how yeah. I got through life struggles. What yeah. did I What did I do to get through mm-hmm. difficult times? Yep. It's important to talk about. Yeah, I mean, especially since I had, a, I have, you know, my mother is currently in a facility for her for mental illness. So, mm-hmm. to talk about that, to talk about my sister who also dealt with mental illness and also passed away, to talk about these different real type to- topics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's in the future. Um, I, I don't try that's... to. I don't try to plan anything because every time I try to plan something, this is <laughs> the first. Just see, that's what I'm saying. See, and that, this is the first time that I actually planned before I came to Bali. I said I'm gonna come to Bali, stay for four months, do the, go to L. A., come back, go to Australia, come back, and look what happened. This is why I don't plan. I just show up. Yep. Life. I swear, life laughs at you if you make a plan. Absolutely. Like, I made so many plans, and life just kind of laughs in your face. It does. Like, it does. And Better I've luck had, next time. It does. And I've had people in my life that are like, you got to plan. You got to plan. Plan what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just show up. That's 100%. it. Let him take you on the journey. I can guarantee your two-year plan will not happen. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, remember when I quit my job and I like was gonna, I was backpacking for six months and, you know, doing my little wild party thing. And I was like, all right, I'm going to settle down, move to Australia. I had everything planned out. I had contacts for a job. I knew exactly where I was going. The world, the universe laughed at me. COVID happened. Not in Australia anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I just got sent back home and like you know had to figure it out. And I'm in Bali. Mm-hmm. And when I left Bali last time, I actually left and I was like, I hate that place. I never want to go back. I had a horrible experience just due to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I had people who were with me who were definitely a bit unstable mm-hmm. um, and drinking too much, and it was just a very dramatic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it left obviously a bad like taste in my mouth, and I was like, I just really have no desire to come back. It's so packed. It's so whatever. And then COVID happened, and Bali was an opportunity to actually go. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna give it a third chance because mm-hmm. it's my third time back, and see what happens. And like, what a different experience it's been. Mm-hmm. But like, if you asked me back in 2019 when I quit my job, if I had been moving to freaking Bali and living here and doing whatever, I would have laughed in your face. The little universe turned and laughed at me, mm-hmm. and now here I am living mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And we having this conversation. Yeah. It's just, it's funny how the universe works. It, does. it really is. It really is. And it things that are supposed to happen for you, you know, to end up happening in ways you don't experience or expect, I would say, not experience. Yes. Yes. I mean, you, I'm not to the point to where I believe, I'm believing every day. Like, I'm believing that, okay, things are going to get better. Okay. Don't worry about it. Put your mm-hmm. best foot forward. Keep going. This is gonna. This opportunity is coming. I yeah. mean, it's these opportunities like this one that happened. It's crazy because I was on the beach last week and I was like, just give me more opportunities. And then I see you and you're like, Stray, yeah. Would you be a guest on my podcast? Absolutely. I did one two weeks ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Come on. There's yeah. a photo shoot I'm doing in Uber on Friday. Ooh, yeah, nice. absolutely. Let's go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he listens when you talk to him. When you talk to him on the regular. 100. And this place is is like that. It's very yeah. deep. It's very deep and well-connected, for sure. sure, So, 100%. And I think, 
yeah, you can't plan for things, but you can definitely manifest Absolutely. what you want. Like, I've always manifested having a podcast years ago. Here I am now. Here you are. I'm manifesting being one of the big-ass podcasts that's going to happen. I'm telling you, going to be there one day. Okay. But, you know, you just keep manifesting what you want. It might not happen the way you think it does, but... I believe if you believe in it. And it's not going to happen right when you want it to happen. No. It's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. Exactly. That's the thing is that if anything, COVID has taught me, and I hope other people have learned that it has taught, it allowed us to stop and be still, but also enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. We tend to, and I've done this myself living in New York, you know, you tend to rush, rush, rush to get to the finish line. You're rushing to get to this, that, and the other, and you don't enjoy the middle part, the start, the middle part. Right. So COVID has taught me to just sit back, enjoy the process. Yeah. Because it just makes sense. It does. It does 100%. And one thing I wanted to ask, because I was curious, um, you aren't really big on like social media and stuff. So I find that so interesting because people now like kill for it. You know what I mean? Like the things they would do to monetize and build and whatever. And you're still going about having all those opportunities without ever doing it. But do you ever feel like, you're missing out on connecting with people over it. I mean, absolutely not. I mean, it was one of those things, like I said, when when I got back from Thailand, the my bank account was hacked, and then, yep. then the Facebook went away, and then it happened at a good time because, you know, seeing the stuff that was going on back in the States with um, Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. all of that stuff was just, it, it wasn't good for me to see. Yeah. You know, this time for me was to have some stillness, self-love, forgiveness. Yeah. And when it went away, it was great. It was, a, it, it, it's, it's always been a distraction to me. Like I've never really been into, Facebook is different. I've always, I've always kept in touch with people from high school and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But Instagram has never been my jam because I never, I always felt like I was comparing myself to somebody else's page. Right. Okay, it yeah. never really made, it, 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 I, I didn't have a purpose, it didn't have a purpose for mm-hmm. it. So when it went away, it was great, yeah. you know, and I still don't have it. Um, and when I, if I do get it again, it's going to have a different purpose. You know, it won't just yeah. be about me. It'll be about a business thing that I've mm-hmm. built here and it'll be about the business. It won't yeah. be me taking a selfie on the beach and here's this and here's me with a, with a coconut and yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It won't be all that stuff because, you know, I don't need likes. Like I think people... If people would sit back and realize that that you don't need all these likes, you know, I feel like I'm 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 going to this place of being a leader, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and to get likes from people that I don't even know, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, it's just my thing. I know I love it. I think it's you know something that people can take it like take away from is because we everyone feels this like pressure to you know i feel it myself on social media to have the following have the likes have the cool pictures have whatever create that great feed and beautiful whatever Mm. end of the day like do i love it no like do i love trying to create a highlight reel no like i'm real shit on my stories always but that's a 24-hour little window people get to see a little bit of me you know and then you have like this feed where you're just kind of comparing and trying to be better than the next person. Obviously, you can diversify yourself, but like, it's a platform to boost or boast about what mm-hmm. you're going on or boost yourself instead of just like the real life shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you will find obviously some people who are real, but I do think that some people get lost 
and trying to portray that like perfection on there. Absolutely. And so many people, I mean, there was a, there was a girl that in Dubai that I knew that she spent hours and hours and hours a day on her page. Yeah. And I remember just looking at her and thinking, first of all, your neck must be sore <laughs> as fuck from looking down at that phone. Your thumbs. Yeah. The thumb, everything. And you're missing out, you know, so let's go back to basic. You know, I'm back to basic to where, you know, it's the handshake. It's the social. It's the mm-hmm. going out, meeting somebody, you know, let's have a conversation. Let's have a talk. That's the social media that I come from. Yeah. So, you know, of course, people are like, you need to get your social media back up. Well, yeah, I know when the time comes, if, mm-hmm. it's, it's, if it's supposed to happen, yeah. then it'll happen. But in the meantime, I'm happy with not having it. Yeah. I think it's also, like, important in terms of just being social people in person. I, like, there's so many people who have just lost that ability to, like, just be outgoing or have a conversation with a stranger and, and not feel weird. Absolutely. Yeah. And just connect with them. Absolutely. Because between, mean, like, social platforms, whatever, dating apps, whatever it may be, everyone can hide behind a screen now instead of having to actually just, like, connect one-on-one when you meet somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one of those things that I've always... Yeah, I mean, even even before, I mean, I mean, Instagram started right when SoulCycle got busy, yeah. right? And I just remember seeing instructors change and compete with each other because this one had a higher following and this one had this one in their class and this one had this one in their class. I was like, this is, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> it's like keeping up with the Joneses on crack. It is, it is, so. Yeah, no, I yeah. think it's great, but... um I wanted to thank you so much for coming on today. Listen, girl, it's been anytime. So fun. Thank you for having me on the show. Always having a conversation with you will always make me laugh. <laughs> There's nothing ever boring about it by any means. Um, and anyone in Bali can come see you in comedy, right? Come see me in doing... comedy. Usually I'm there every Friday. Um, if I'm not on stage, I'm usually there supporting the show. But it's yeah. every Friday, 7 p.m. at mm-hmm. Deus. Deus. Yeah. Yeah, go come check, check it out. out for sure. Yeah. And hopefully... Get some more fitness stuff going. Yeah, love sure. I want to yeah, I want to work out with you one time before. Okay. I'll be back in September, but okay, we do a so, session. We do yeah. a one on one. We'll definitely have yeah. some fun. Make sure not to laugh too hard while working it. out. That's it, girl. <laughs> Face down, ass up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been another crazy episode with another crazy nomad. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. All right, if you are a new or aspiring entrepreneur who dreams of freedom and working from anywhere in the world, click the link below and book a free discover call with me where we will break down the exact steps you need to take to make that dream life of yours an actual reality so we can get you started on the journey to becoming a digital nomad.